Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Many people want to accept Jesus for forgiveness of sins. They like that. Many people want to accept Jesus as their Savior because they want to go to heaven. They like that. Others want to accept Jesus because they don't want to go to hell. They'll take Him as Savior. Fire insurance. But they don't want to submit to God and obey all His commandments. You see, they want a God of their own choosing. When you accept Jesus, you don't get to pick and choose the parts of a righteous life that you'll accept or reject. You can't keep the sinful parts of your life and still be a follower of Christ. You're either in or you're out. Some people come to the Lord for forgiveness, but then purposefully go back to that same sinful situation. Then they repent, then go back to sinning. It's a dangerous, vicious cycle. That belief that you can accept Him as your Savior, but not as Lord is a tool of deception that the enemy uses to make many people feel like they're saved. If you've made a profession of faith, the true test of whether you're really saved will be the pattern of fruit you produce over time. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 1 for our continuing study entitled, The Greatest Commandment in Action. If Jesus is not God's Son, then He was just a man. Is there any problem with that? There's big problems. If the neighbor that you go to says that, well, I don't believe in any of that. I just believe Jesus was a good teacher and a good man. Do we have any problems? We have big problems. Number one, we have no forgiveness of sin. Because if Jesus was born of a human man and a human woman, he was born in the line like all of us were. And the scripture says all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So he had to have the supernatural perfectness of the Holy Spirit to be born sinless. If he's only man... We might as well go home today. Go home early, have lunch, don't ever come back to church because there's nothing to offer anybody. We not only are dead in our sins, we're all headed to hell and there's no way to be right with God. But I have good news. He isn't only fully man, he's also fully God. Because of that, that good news, we look at three things and I'll just give you the verses. Mark 1, 11, God claimed that Jesus was his son. And here's what it says. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son whom I love and with you I am well pleased. Secondly, Jesus claimed he was God's son. Matthew 10, 32. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before him. I will acknowledge him before my father in heaven. Now turn to the book of Hebrews. Keep your finger there, Mark. We'll be right back. Turn to the book of Hebrews and let's show you that the testimony of God's word is true. Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord. Jesus Christ is fully man and fully God. The book of Hebrews, chapter 1. See, when you come to these areas that are, you're learning a little bit of theology. When you come to these areas and you you learn principles that apply to your life that are foundational, 
just like two and two equals four, whatever. You'll find these principles in the Bible in different places so that you can back them up. And here's what Jesus says through the person who wrote Hebrews, possibly Paul. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers, again, writing to the Jews, the Hebrews, through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in the last days, by the way, if you don't think these are the last days, wake up. These are the last days. In the last days, he has spoken to us by who? His son. And how does he speak to us? By his son. The word of God is the flesh in flesh and he dwelt among us. This is God's son, the word. He speaks to us through his word, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. Verse 3 is a key. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. In other words, the sun, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is an exact reputation of God because he is God. He's supernatural. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. Supernatural. After he provided purification for sins, now notice where he sits down. He sat down at the right hand of majesty in heaven. Where is Jesus today? He's sitting down at the right hand of the Father. What did David say he would do? He would sit at the right hand, the place of honor. This is the Messiah. This is the proof again. Now, Jesus Christ came, and he came to this earth as fully man and fully God. He was sinless. He died on the cross for every person's sin. He went into the grave. He was resurrected from the grave. He then sits at the right hand of God today. And what is he doing there? He's interceding for you and for me. Let me give you a little idea what's happening. This morning, this will be God. And Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. Now, what is he going to do at this right hand? Well, here's what he's going to do. Jesus is here. And here's what he says. Dad, that's his God, Dad. Father, you know this Balmer guy? Yesterday was not a good day for him. And he sinned, but he's come and asked forgiveness for his sins. And Dad, you remember, I, I died on the cross for everybody's sins. Balmer's a good guy. Go ahead and forgive him. He's there interceding for me. And now I'm forgiven because of my sin. Now some of you say, what kind of bad day did you have? <laughs> I'd like to know what your sin is. None of your business. By the way, do you think your name's been mentioned in the last day or two? Oh, not mine. It was just mentioned. Because you just lied. That's where forgiveness comes from. So in our lives, that's where it is. It's there. And Jesus is there and he's interceding for you and he's interceding for me. Now we come to the commandments. We have two of the greatest commandments that are put together. And Jesus is going to say, put these commandments into action. We have love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Put the first commandment into action. Make Jesus your Savior and your Lord. 
You see, if you're going to love God, you're going to accept Jesus Christ into your life through the person of Jesus. Jesus is God's Son, fully God, fully man. That's the only Jesus you can believe and accept in and find salvation. If you want to believe in a Jesus that is fully man but not God and is one of the many ways to God, that is not the Jesus of the Bible. By the way, if you'll study the Mormon doctrine and the Jehovah Witness doctrine, you will find that the Jesus that they believe in is not the Jesus of the Bible. And that's why their salvation is null and void. You see, they're very sincere, but they're wrong. And often I'll get tapes from people writing in and say, you know, I had a friend there was in the service and they were Mormon. You said that. Why'd you say that? I don't know why I said it. I didn't say it in any other service, but I said it in this service. All I know is this. That's the truth. Better to know the truth now than later. They're sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. Their Jesus is not the same Jesus. So if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to go to heaven, you have to believe in the Jesus of the Bible who is fully man and fully God. Secondly, not only do you have to believe in him, because Satan believes that. The book of James tells us Satan believes that step. He knows that that's there. He knows that the enemy knows that Jesus is God's son, but he has never accepted him as his personal savior. That's the second step. You have to accept him as your personal savior. Third step is very important. I'm going to spend a little bit of time on it this morning. When you come to Jesus Christ, there's another part of Jesus, and it's this. It's called Lord. If you want to take, if maybe the ball games will be boring this afternoon, take your New Testament. If you've got a computer, it's a lot quicker. Find how many times the word Lord is in the New Testament. See, Lord is a strange term to us, but here's what it means. Kurios. It means this. Supreme in authority. Master. In other words, we would say boss. But more holy, master. Supreme in authority. You see, when Jesus taught the gospel to come and follow me, he didn't teach it like we hear it from some pulpits. He didn't teach it like maybe the gospel you think you've accepted. And we must correct this. And we must get it correct. When you make Jesus Christ your Savior, you also are to make him your Lord which means you're going to submit to his sovereign authority in every area of your life. Here's what happens. Many people want to accept Jesus for forgiveness of sins. They like that. Many people want to accept Jesus as their Savior because they want to go to heaven. They like that. Others want to accept Jesus because they don't want to go to hell. They'll take him as Savior. Fire insurance but they don't want to submit to God and obey all his commandments. You see, they want a God of their own choosing. They want to come to an altar. They want to accept Jesus Christ. They want to fill out a form. And then they want to go back and live their life how they designed it. And if it happens to be good, and there's a few verses in here that apply to them, they'll do that. You might be here. You come every Sunday. You give money or whatever. But no way you're going to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord. You're not going to do that. But I want to tell you, when you come to Jesus Christ, you do not split Jesus. You either accept him as your Savior and your Lord, or you don't accept him as all. It's not like a a cafeteria line. And this is the great deceit 
of the enemy. And I even believe in my heart there's people here that have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. You see, you're going to try to stand before God on Judgment Day and say, here's my fire insurance. Hey, back then in one of those days, I came on filled table, or was that First Baptist or Presbyterian or whatever, it doesn't matter, where Billy Graham could say, I fill this form out and here it is. And you know what Jesus says to some of those people? We have two comments from him in the Bible. The first one is this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do the things I ask? So he's going to say to you, wrong word. Now, when we see the gospel, we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Believe in the what kind of Jesus? The Lord Jesus Christ. You can't separate Lord from Savior. But we have a lot of people who do. Fire insurance! Fire insurance, there it is. You're not going to hell. You've accepted Jesus as your Savior. But is he your Lord? When Paul was struck on the road to Damascus, he was sincere. He was sincere, but he was sincerely wrong. And when they found out that serving God without accepting his son didn't get him anywhere, and he looked up to Jesus and he said two things. He says, who are you, Lord, and what do you want me to do? So I want you to think about that for a moment. If you've come to Jesus Christ and made a profession of faith or whatever you, see, that's why a profession of faith is not the same as salvation. You see, time tells whether things changed. And you'll hear Billy Graham, you hear Greg Laurie, all these people with great conferences that have thousands of people accept the Lord. All they say is profession of faith. Because what they're going to say is a year from now, where are the people? Are they still serving Jesus Christ as Lord? Or was it an emotional experience only for the day and fire insurance. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. How many people in our communities believe they're going to heaven because of a signing of a card, but they're not following God? Can you imagine you're working in an organization and the boss of the huge, you know, General Motors or whatever, he comes down to your little plant and he asks you to do something and you say, uh, no boss. Does that even make sense? Where would you be next Sunday? Well, you'd be back in the prayer line looking for what? A new job. Because the boss is going to say, forget it. I'm your boss. See, a spiritual oxymoron is this. No Lord. Doesn't even make sense. So when God says to you to obey him, to do the things he wants, you can't say, no Lord. You're talking about a different Jesus. This is a wake-up call for the church. We're already in difficult times. But we're really going to enter difficult times. And if you're serving Jesus as kind of something on here in the coat sleeve, you're going to have a hard time making it through. Times are going to get difficult. And if you're going to be full on for Jesus Christ, you need to be full on for Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus says to these guys, He's not just a man. He's supernatural. He's Lord. What are you doing with His commandments? Let me ask you a couple of questions in your own private life. I think it's very important for you to understand these. The second thing, by the way, that Jesus says, not only did he say, what do you call me, Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say. The second thing he says, these people come to him and say, Lord, didn't we cast out devils? Didn't we do this? Didn't we come to church right? Didn't we put our money in? And Jesus is going to say to them, I'm interested in why you call me Lord, because I don't even know you. Now that's judgment day. I never knew you. How horrible to be surprised on the last day. No more chances to accept him. And you thought, and you weren't. That's disastrous. Doesn't matter how sincere you are. Now look at the questions I'm going to give you. Don't look at your spouse or your friend or your neighbor. Answer these. Number one, 
Is Jesus Lord of your life? You have to answer that. Nobody else can answer that. That does not mean that I always obey everything 100% because I don't. You know why I don't? Because that's sometimes when I sin, here I am where? Jesus, you know Balmer again, don't you? I need you to intercede for me. See, but my heart is what? I want to serve God. But sometimes I just blow it. If you're planning to live a lifestyle of sin, and here's your excuse. While I've lived the lifestyle of sin before and I come back and ask for salvation and forgiveness and God always forgives me, I'm just going to continue living that way. Very dangerous theology. You see, if you're full on into sin and you're planning to sin and you're just going to go on and sin knowing it's wrong and you don't care because you think God's going to forgive you, that's bad theology. Premeditated sin is a whole other area. Now, all of us have done that, haven't we? A time or two, but not as a lifestyle. And I hear people say this. I'm going to go through this situation. I'm going to go through this marriage. I'm going to go through this thing. Because after, it doesn't matter because God's going to forgive me. You're really playing with your salvation. You don't want to go there. Some of you are in that mode right today. Don't go down that road. Number two, does Jesus govern all that you say and all that you do? In other words, we'll see tonight the whole nation of Israel Never ask God what to do. They just did what they wanted to do. God was never even approached. Let me ask you, the decisions you make, the cars you buy, the places you, you live, the, the jobs you have, do you ask God? Or is He just your Savior? No, He should be your Lord. And number three, do you obey Him immediately and completely? You see, you're saying, some of you are out there saying already this morning, this is kind of radical, isn't it? Yeah. But that's the kind of obedience that Jesus requires. Radical obedience. Remember the young man that came to him? Jesus said, go sell everything you have and come follow me. That's radical. You got it. Now, Jesus comes to a second part. In the second part of this passage, here's what Jesus talks about. doesn't talk about lordship. In that way, but here's what he says. And it's good because we need to hear it. Here's how not to love your neighbor. Some of you say, well, I already know how to do that. <laughs> but you'll get some more ideas. Here we go. Let's take a look at it. Verse 38, back in Mark, chapter 12. As he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the elders and pastor at Calvary Chapel. That's true. We went through this passage of Scripture, and we looked at our own lives and said, as spiritual leaders of this body, are we the people we should be? And God just, during this day and a half or whatever, it just was marvelous to watch Him answer our prayers. And, you know, the, it's interesting how the enemy tempts you as you're fasting and praying in the hotel. You know, I went out to just walk and pray, and here comes the guy with the Pizza Hut delivery walking right by with the hot stuff. And I'm, man, oh man, what's the bummer out here, you know? But God really delivered and ministered to us. By the way, we don't have time this morning, but there's a great contrast. If you want a Bible study for this week for yourself, just write 1 Peter chapter 5, and you'll see how really a servant of God should be. And we also, by the way, looked at that. So this tells us how we shouldn't be. So Jesus really says here, Watch out for the teachers of the law, those Pharisees, the Sadducees, all those people. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted in marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. So Jesus says, your religious leaders, 
They're not at all what they should be. They're supposed to be leading people into truth, direction, being humble, guiding them. They're doing exactly the opposite. Now, before we see all of those ramifications, I want to refresh our memories this morning of what the word love is. I'm supposed to love God, and I'm supposed to love my neighbor. You see, these religious leaders were supposed to love the people in the congregation as themselves. Well, love is not this warm, touchy-feely, gushy kind of emotion thing. We said last week, love is a commitment. Let's just go through it again. Just think about your love for your neighbor and for God and friends as we go through this. Love is patient. Love is kind. Does not envy. Love doesn't boast. Love isn't proud. It isn't rude. It isn't self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. Now think about that kind of love with God and with your neighbor. How far did you get before you were busted in the... Most of us probably first thing, why? Patient, right? Remember the guy you were following this morning in the car? The idiot? But you were patient, going to church. You say, well, I went to the second one. I'm better than you. Not really. You see, when you look at that list, it's overwhelming, isn't it? That's why it's the love of God. That's why it's the agapula. That's why God has to help us. You can't do that. I can't do There's nobody. Because we're fully what? We're fully man. 100%. We're very little of God, we're moving that way, but we're very little, so we really struggle. We're over here, and this is a real challenge to us when we look at that particular definition. So, I want to show you this morning this, that Christianity, our next overhead will say this, Christianity is God-centered, not man-focused. See, Jesus looked at these religious leaders, he's right in their face, and he says this, watch out for these so-called religious leaders. By their teachings and by their actions, they're supposed to be leading you to God. To focus your love on God. But Jesus says they're doing the opposite. They love themselves more than they love me. They love themselves more than they love you. Jesus just tells it like it is. He says these religious leaders like position. They like titles. They love to put on a show. They take their religious gowns. They'd walk through the communities. You know, they're only supposed to be using those only in the temple area. But they'd walk downtown like some of the times I used to remember some of the docs from the hospital would leave, you know, with their, with their uh, surgeon sweats on or whatever. And they're downtown like, man, respect me, whatever, all those kind of things. You can't do that because now they sell them and it could be an aide or it could be somebody, could janitor, doesn't matter. These guys were taunting it, man, hey. I'm special. I'm better than you. And in banquets, they want the best seat. When they're in worship, they're right up there so everybody can look. There he is. Look at that guy. Wow. Holy man. And Jesus said, they're phony. He said, they're nothing at all what they're supposed to be like. They're supposed to be loving you. They were there and they were saying to the people, I'm highly educated. You're not. I'm spiritual. You're not. I'm special, and you're not. In this message, Pastor Mark exhorted believers to put the first commandment into action, to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, not just to treat Him as a way to get forgiveness and then sin again, 
Pastor Mark also asked us to consider our neighbors, from our spouses to our children to those around us. If we truly love them, we will want them to know Jesus, not to just be comfortable in our own salvation. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series the next time you join us. For those of you that like to have CD archives of Bible teachings, we'd like to offer you a CD of Pastor Mark's message from today. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5. This is only to cover the materials and shipping it takes for you to receive your CD. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option. Now, here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is MB3157, and the title of this message is The Greatest Commandment in Action. Again, today's message number is MB3157, and the title of this message is The Greatest Commandment in Action. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we come to the last part of the message entitled The Greatest Commandment in Action that covers how Christianity is God-centered and not man-focused. Pastor Mark will provide us with a series of questions that will help us to really consider whether we are loving our neighbors the way God intends us to and how we can express His love. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 